Good morning, TABC, or whenever you're listening to this. Good afternoon, good evening. Uh, Garen and I, Garen and Jordan, we're back uh, discussing another message that Garen brought uh, yesterday, and he talked about Romans 9 through 11, which is obviously a pretty heavy section of Scripture, and so this is going to be an especially good uh, time to just hear from Garen, to expound on some things that maybe he didn't have time to get to or ask some questions that we're guessing maybe some of you have. And so we're really excited for this this kind of, I don't know if this constitutes an episode, but this kind of rendition of this follow-up with Garen. So, um, Garen, thanks for giving us a little bit of time to chat about this, man. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's uh, Some of the stuff you and I have talked about that are related to this are, I think are really important about what 12th is like and the kind of place we want it to be. So I'm, I'm glad to have the conversation. Yep. And this is a conversation that, I mean, I don't know, some churches maybe aren't dying to have, but I feel like you are really willing to step into this stuff, even if it's hard to talk through. And so I just appreciate that about your teaching, man. So could you quickly, for anyone who wasn't there, or, you know, it's been a whole day or more since pe- since people will have heard this, could you kind of catch us up just really quickly and briefly on what the point of what you were saying um, Romans and Romans 9 through 11 was trying to communicate to us just to kind of start us off here. Okay, so if I were to a quick summary, I think it would be that one, Romans 9, 10, 11 is very confusing to read and to understand what's the point. It is one section in the book of Romans. Romans 9 is especially confusing because there are several things in there that people will pull out and use to teach that in, God chooses individuals for salvation. And my kind of whole topic yesterday is that that's not what Romans 9 to 11 is about. It's not about individuals and salvation and election to salvation. What it's about is the question of what in the world happened to Israel? What is God going to do with Israel? Why did Israel not accept Jesus as Messiah? Why are they against him and what's going on with that? And it's Paul's discussion on a very large scale about ethnic groups and nations and the, and the gospel and his mission of the nations. It's not about individual salvation. That's really not the point. And so I kind of ended by asking people, please don't take a verse out of here, out of context, and try to make it teach that God selects individuals for salvation, because that's not what it's about. So that's kind of the what I'd say is a summary of it. Yeah, I, I think if anyone's been in church for any amount of time, and you say Romans 9, they kind of know you know, they, they think of those verses that you're probably alluding to, that they get pulled out and we kind of use them as weapons almost sometimes as far as who is chosen and who's not and why and how could God feel that way about certain people. So this whole question of election, whether it's discussed in Romans 9 or not, um, why do we as a church body, not 12th, but just the body at large, this is maybe the thing that we fight over the most or maybe feel the most uneasy about. Why is this something that that is so close to us? We get so tied to emotionally. We will leave churches over it. We will flock to certain churches because of it. Why is it so closely tied to uh, to who we are as believers? That whole issue of divine sovereignty and human freedom, that that topic generates a lot of heat in the body of Christ. Like some are really heavy on God is super sovereign to the point he elects people to salvation or to the side, no, it's all, human, so it's all human choice and freedom, and it's all up to the individual. And just that topic, I mean, you asked, why is that such a hot topic? And I, I mean, I think you had a good answer to that, dude, when we were prepping for this. <laughs> what you said I thought was significant, because it has to do with salvation, right? And that feels, that's really personal. And I think, 
I don't know, don't have a lot of us feel like I made that choice or I made a decision and the first time we hear, well, you got picked, it seems contradictory to our experience and, you know, um, I don't know. I just feel like that probably, you're right, I think that is kind of the main reason that that whole divine sovereignty and that human freedom, it really comes down to that salvation thing and that's why it can get really hairy with people. Yeah, I think so many believers, you know, maybe the reason that they believe in Jesus is so they can have salvation. Like, I'm doing this so that I can get to heaven. And so when you start to mess with that and say, you know, either you're chosen or you're not, whether that's right thinking or not, or, you know, you're in this group or you're not, or God chose this and you don't have a choice in it, or it's all your choice, you know, when you start to mess with that, uh, I think people get pretty skittish about that. Um, I think another thing is, is that this this verse when when read maybe not quite the way that we read it yesterday but you know I've heard it read certain ways that it, it tends to put people in certain groups and I think especially as Americans we don't like to be put in a certain group we don't like to be told you know the power is out of your hands you really <laughs> that the table is set for you I think that's another thing that gets a lot of people ruffled whether you fall on that side or the other side so it's kind of a perfect storm uh, of a lot of stuff um, and I don't have a great answer for why we get so worked up about it. I just know that we tend to. Yeah, and I think a lot of churches, you, a lot of us grow up in churches that tend to one side or the other. You'll grow up in a church that's heavily Calvinistic or leans that way. You'll grow up in a church that's more free will or Arminian, whatever you want to call it. And then I think people tend to latch onto that and hold on to what they've heard. And for whatever reason, that thing generates a lot of heat and they just want to hold on to it. And they've got their scripture and the other side has their scripture. And I think the thing I was trying to end with yesterday when I'm like, where, where does the church stand? I don't know that the church has a stance. I know where I'm at. I know where Al was. I think I know where you are. And it's really on this whole idea of divine sovereignty and human, human freedom that to me it is a tension. It is a paradox in Scripture, and I'm not afraid of paradoxes. I think they're there for a reason. Was Jesus 100% divine? Yes. Was he 100% human? Yes. That is a tension. That's a paradox. Um, the Trinity, is God one? Yes. Is he three? Yes. Three and one, it's a paradox. I don't, need, I don't feel like we need to take paradoxes and categorize it and come up with a neat answer because God is bigger than I am, and I think the Scripture has a lot of paradoxes, and I think the healthy place as a church is that we live, we're willing to stand in it and give people a freedom in that continuum in it to where they don't have to toe a certain line to belong to 12, sort of be accepted which is kind of where we've always been, and I really want us to stay there. Yeah, that's one of the things that I so appreciate about 12th, um, and so I hope we stay there too. So, Garen, you know, the reason people are tuning in today is because they want to know where you personally stand on this stance of the sovereignty of God versus human freedom because they want to know what you think. So would you just share what you think about that? Where are you on that continuum, and why are you where you're at? Yeah, I think it's the story I ended with, basically, which is of the little boy, you know, the barn, the two ropes hanging from the ceiling. When he jumped up and held one, he would fall through, fall down, the rope would give. When he did the left, the rope would give, and then his dad took him up top, and he realized it was just one rope with a pulley, and that from down below, he couldn't, they looked like two different things, but from up above, he could see they were one. I just trust that God is sovereign. I trust that. Um, we have different views even what that means. I said yesterday to me, I think he's sovereign on a more macro level, not micro. Humans are free. I think that's clear in Scripture. I think they're both there. And I'm just going to hang on to both truths. And I don't have to—I can live in the tension. I don't feel like I have to answer it. 
And I think I told my son-in-law yesterday, I told Josue, I said, Josue, I, in my daily life where I've got to, I trust in his sovereignty, but man, I've got to live on the free will side. I've got to persuade people, you know, of the truth of the gospel, and I, I, I act as if things depend on me and what I do, and people have choices to make, and that's where I have to live my daily life. Um, but to me, I don't feel like we have to choose sides on those things. I think we can live in the middle of it. And to me, that's the best place because that, to me, is humility. When people tend to have one side or the other, I feel like they create a category, a box, a theological box, and everything has to fit in that. And I see people do that, and they ignore Scripture that maybe says the other side. And um, to me, it takes a lot of humility to say, number, to say, I feel like it's a tension I'm going to hang in there. And it takes a lot of humility, I think, for a church to say, you can be a little bit more on that side than I am, and you can be a little more over there, but we're the body of Jesus, and we're not going to die on that, and we're going to be a church that can accept those different views. Yeah. Uh, I love how you said that. So you are leading a church that you hope is full of attenders that don't necessarily gather around one stance on on any secondary issue like this, um, but rather are free to be in disagreement with each other on smaller issues as long as we can agree on what the gospel is and, and who Jesus is to us. So do you, because a lot of churches aren't that way, Garen, so do you see it as a strength or a weakness that TBC is essentially a group of attenders who may disagree on a number of things but are still going after Jesus? It, I mean, wouldn't it be really hard to lead a church and to get people to love each other if they if they don't agree on that stuff? Like, is that a strength or, or a weakness? What do you think? Maybe, maybe a little harder. I don't know. I think it's a strength. Would you agree? I mean, you would agree that's a strength because it shows the beauty and diversity and it gives people the, the freedom to know. That's a Baptist doctrine is that, that I'm an individual priest and I can study scripture and come to my own conclusions and that we give each other that freedom. And that's why I love the old Moravian statement that on the essentials will demand unity. So on orthodoxy, you know, salvation by faith through Jesus alone on the cross, that there is one God who's creator who exists in a community of three in Trinity, that um, I'm saved only through Jesus' death, that he will return one day. The Bible is the word of God on all of that unity. On non-essentials, on things like where do you land on sovereignty, human freedom, that's a second tier kind of thing. And on those things, they say on non-essentials, liberty, that I give you the freedom to hold your convictions, and in all things, charity. And that's where I really feel like we should land on this stuff. And I feel like 12th historically has, and that's the thing I've appreciated. Actually, in some ways, you said it, maybe it's harder. In some ways, it's easier because I feel like we are a place that, has, that gives people the freedom to have their stands on that without people feeling judged or looked down on. I, so in some ways, it's actually easier to live in a church like that because grace is kind of the living, the, the, the air that we breathe. I think it's definitely easier to attend a church like that. I think it's absolutely easy. It's harder to lead a church like that. It would be easy to lead a church where everybody believes all the same stuff because we're not going to disagree, right? I think you have a much harder job because you lead CBC that way. But so often the harder way is the better way, and I, I'm so grateful that you want to lead it that way. So you said on on the essentials, unity, on the secondary things, uh, on, on non-essentials, liberty, and, and all things, charity. I, I like that a lot. If that can be woven into the ethos of TABC, I think that would be a really healthy thing. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Um, Garen, you, you mentioned a while ago, just really briefly, something called center and bounded set thinking. 
and I wondered if you would mind talking about it really briefly because it's so it so smoothly fits into what we're talking about and it just applies to this really well. So if you if you were at that message or wherever you mentioned it, Garen, and this could be a reminder for you, but maybe the first time some of you are hearing this, but this idea of center center set thinking versus bounded set thinking, just kind of what is that and how does it apply to, to what we're talking about here? Yeah, so it's the idea that in centered set thinking, well, let me start with bounded. In bounded set thinking, my whole focus is on boundaries. And what do I feel like are the boundaries I have to draw of what is a true Christian or a real Christian or real belief? And generally, so, so something like that would be like, Real Christians don't drink, they don't dance, they don't watch our movies, they they don't believe this about this verse, like, you are defined by what you think about certain things yeah. or what you do or don't do. And Am certain I... doctrinal beliefs, right. you don't have to toe a certain line on a doctrinal belief, right. And so their focus is on those boundaries, and, and what I find is, is churches that focus on those things, that they tend to draw, their boundaries get tighter and tighter and tighter to where really not very many people... You know, there's only a certain number of people in a community who even fit it. And everybody else is kind of out. Because if you don't hold to this and this and this, then you're kind of viewed askew. Centered set thinking is, is the idea that what we focus on is the center, which is Jesus. It's the essentials and it's the Jesus. It's Jesus. It's the kingdom. It's the gospel. And when we agree on that, when we agree on orthodoxy and we're pursuing him and we're pursuing the kingdom, we can let those other things, we can give people the freedom to differ with us on secondary issues. So to us, we want to focus on Jesus, be centered set. We don't want that bounded set can, you know, our boundary is orthodoxy. Okay, I'll give that. But on secondary doctrinal issues, man, when you start getting tight with that, just it just gets so constricting, and you get to where you start. I don't know. Just I've seen. I grew up in a church that way. I love that church, but very, very narrow. And if you didn't fit their beliefs on everything, they let you know, and you didn't hang around very long. And it, there is some of that at TBC. I mean, you do say that if you're a professing K State fan, you can't be a member. I mean, and we pre- we hold pretty closely to that. Yeah, we're, so. we're definitely working on that. We're redoing membership, and that's that's what it's going to be centered around, is are you KUK State or Missouri fan? That's right. That's Yeah, and if you're a Missouri fan, we send missionaries to you to try and redeem you. That's the, yeah. Um, if the Jameses are listening, that was for you, Jameses. Okay, so we talked about center set and bounded set, and we're wrapping this up because we're 14 minutes in, but what would, I mean, if Jesus was here in the flesh, what would he call us to? Would, would he be someone, and I think we know the answer, but... What would he call us to and why, essentially? Just from what you read about the person of Jesus, who he was, what does he gravitate towards it, and why do you, why do you think he does? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's the, thing, it's the Pharisees, to me, were very bounded set, right? I think so much. Jesus was center set. It's about God. It's about loving him and relationship. And I think James and John, remember, something happens with the Samaritans, and they're ticked off, and they're like, hey, Jesus, send fire down on those guys. And Jesus says... You know, basically, whoever's not against me is for me. He was redirecting them like, it's about me. You're, you're, you're just wanting to burn up everybody who isn't totally whatever. Or the, some guy, I don't quite remember the story, right? But yeah, they're just wanting to trash a guy who they don't think is in the in-group or fits them. And Jesus is trying to get them to think differently. And yeah, that's what I, that's what I think is more his way. Why do, why do you think Jesus is center set and why not bounded set? I mean... The Pharisees knew God better than most people, right? I mean, they knew all about him because of their bounded set ways. So why is that not better than than center set? Because I think it, it gets off relationship and it gets into rules and like doctrines. And I'm, I think doctrine's important. And I have doctrines and I'll talk to you about it. But 
the, the core of faith can't be rules and our doctrines. It's got to be Jesus and a relationship with him. Yes, there are doctrines that guard that rightly, but to me it's the difference between the relationship and or being about, or religion and rules. And I'm going to go with a relationship with Jesus all the time. So, Yeah. Yep. And anybody who knows you knows that that's how you lead TBC, and we're grateful that you do. So that is uh, kind of what I had written down. Do you have anything extra? Um, any final word maybe you want to give or any, uh, I don't know, anything to send us off? No. But how about you? You send us off. You're good at that. What's your? How would you wrap this up, Jordan? On my paper, I have written down Garen gives final words, so this is quite the curveball. This may get edited. Man, how do I send us off? I so appreciated the fact that you spoke about this yesterday, Garen. I so want TBC to be a place where we are center set, where we we do care about orthodoxy. We do care about doctrine. There are things that, that unite us as Christians that we hold to, but in secondary issues— Man, there is so much beauty and there's so much um, reflection of Jesus and God the Father in us when we decide to show grace to brothers and sisters who don't totally agree with us, to to take on a humility uh, when we read the Bible, when we, when we look at the walk of others to say, you know what, my way is not necessarily the right way. I am following Jesus the absolute best I can. You, if you are a well-intended brother or sister in Christ, you're doing the same thing. And as long as we agree on the essentials, Man, I love that we can disagree on stuff because I don't want to go to church with a bunch of robots who who agree exactly the way I do or who think the, the same things I do. I mean, that would be so boring. So I'm so glad that I go to church at a place that gives me that freedom uh, while still holding to the truth that God has revealed to us in his word. So, all right. Um, I think that's all we got, guys, just under 18 minutes. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this was good. Um, if you are upset with Garen and his stance or have questions, we'll give his cell phone number out and home address, and you can just go tell him yourself. So, But for now, we're glad you're with us. Um, be well, TBC.